What's going on guys? It's your boy Topher and this is Topher Talks. Before we get into our new topic for the month of April, just a quick shout out to everyone who's provided feedback so far, who's sat down and listened to the episodes and came at me with questions or comments, who took the time to sit down and listen to all of the episodes. And I'm still working out the kinks on how to do this podcasting thing, but so far it's been really positive and great feedback. And and that makes me feel really good that you guys are enjoying what I'm putting out there. Hopefully that continues going forward as we move on to other topics. And if you have anything in mind as a listener that you'd like for me to address on the podcast, of course, you're always welcome to reach out and let me know. I am always flexible in what I'm doing and what I'm willing to do if it brings value. A little bit of house business before we get into our next segment. We still do not know what the male equivalent of resting bitch face is. So again, if you know the answer to that from our previous podcast, uh, the wrap-up, let me know because your boy still is confused. It has been confirmed through several sources that I still have resting bitch face. We just don't know what to call it. So help me out. Give me a name so that I know what to go with. With that being said, let's let's hop into, into April. About 50 different April is national or international A, B, or C month, but I think for the, for me... Uh, the one that really jumps out is it's Financial Literacy Month. What? What? What up, Financial Literacy? Oh, also, apologies for uh, that horrible accent in the last episode. I listened to it probably 50 times in editing, and I'm just not going to try it anymore. So if you survived that in the wrap-up, you won't have to worry about it going forward. No more accents for me. Clearly not my thing. So April, Financial Literacy Month. Woo-woo. Let's go there perfect for us. So over the next few episodes, let's talk about our roadmap here. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about credit. We're going to talk about loans and all of the fun stuff in between. But my plan is to not do it in your traditional Ben Stein monotone fashion. Bueller. 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 None of that. We're not doing that. We're going to do this real nice and easy using real life examples, realistic ideas, and my favorite, honesty. I'm going to be honest with you guys and what I share. You guys have to commit to be honest with yourselves. That's the only way that this is going to work. I'm not a financial genius, so there's not going to be any talk about how to become a millionaire overnight. And I don't believe in get-rich-quick schemes, so we're not going to be discussing any of those except to talk about how ridiculous they are if they come up in the course of the conversation. I can only share comfortably what I know, and that's what I'll put out there for you guys. I hear all the time whenever poverty comes into a political conversation, these know-it-all folks, and some of them are politicians, most of them are are participants in a dialogue who say things like, well, they can just pull themselves up by their bootstraps like I did, or I came from nothing and I'm okay now, look at me, or it's not impossible, they're just not trying hard enough. Let's use the bootstrap analogy because that's the one I've heard the most and the one that I can easily reference. 
problem with saying, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, is that telling people to just get their lives together and use their bootstraps to pull themselves up, based on your familial history, not only does the size of the bootstrap that you have vary from person to person and generation to generation, but the material that bootstrap is made out of varies from person to person and generation to generation. Some families have leather bootstraps and only need to pull themselves up six inches to get out of poverty. Other families have tissue paper for straps and need to pull themselves up 10 feet. You can't compare one to the other. Everyone's financial situation is different. Everyone's relationship with money is different. Generational relationships with money are different. Some folks don't have pre-created straps laid down for them by another generation that they can access at all. Just an outline of what should be a strap. I'm not saying that it's impossible to level up your economic status. I'm living proof that it's possible. I'm saying that it's hard as hell when you have to start from the bottom and work your way up against not just years, but generations of broken straps or poorly made straps. Physically, yes, of course, there's a, a ton of science that supports the theory that living in poverty has all kinds of negative impacts on your health, on your education, on your children, on their health, on their education. But poverty isn't just a physical state. It's not just the concept of not having any money. It's a psychological state as well. And I think until all people from all walks of life understand that, we're never going to be able to truly overcome it. Just like generational wealth, and I, I keep using the word generation, so generation being, I'm here, my mom is the generation before me, my grandmother is the generation before her, her grandmother, etc., etc., generations. Just like generational wealth is passed down from generation to generation, so is ignorance. Simply put, you can't teach your kids what you don't know, right? My maternal grandmother had her first child at the age of, I want to say 14, 13, 14, about that age. She was then married off to my grandfather, and he kept her under lock and key in their house for years. She never learned geometry, let alone how to balance a checkbook, buy a house, or invest. She never learned about things like interest or loan terms like amortization. When she left my grandfather with all five of her kids, her life was just about surviving. She worked whatever jobs she could, in factories, cleaning houses, doing piecework at home, whatever she could think of, just to make a couple of dollars so that they could survive. And then they moved around from place to place until her kids got older and started moving out on their own, starting their own families. Now, let's think about what I said about generational ignorance being passed from one to the other. And it's not intentional. You just can't teach what you don't know. My mom had me when she was 16. So two to three years older than when my grandmother had her first child. She then married my father. My mom never graduated high school. My father never graduated high school. His knowledge 
of how to make a dollar was limited to get-rich-quick schemes and short stints of legal work here and there just to put food on the table. So surviving day-to-day, paying bills, putting food on the table, that's as far as their vision went collectively. And that's where we stayed. As our family grew from three people to four to five, that pressure to provide kept increasing until it got to its breaking point. When my parents separated, my mom moved us into apartment after apartment, and eventually we ended up living in the projects. We were on welfare. I have very vivid memories of those, those food stamp booklets that used to come in the mail, and they were color-coded, like the, the food stamp dollars were color-coded, and you would go to the store, and instead of pulling out cash or swiping a card, you would pull out the food stamp quote-unquote dollar that matched whatever it was that you were paying for. My mom worked on and off throughout the years. She was a maid, a security guard for a while, a secretary, you name it. She'd pick up any odd job that she could. But saying that we lived paycheck to paycheck is an overstatement of how we were living. I remember being hungry and all we had sometimes in the cabinet was syrup and bread. So I would just pour my syrup on my bread and bam, syrup sandwich, good to go. Or we would have pancake mix but no syrup. So I'd have to use corn syrup. It's disgusting. Don't try it. If you've never done it, don't do it now. When I was a kid, I thought it had the word syrup in it. So it was the same thing. It's not. God, it's not. There just never seemed to be enough money to go around. Um, Christmas, we would get the Christmas gifts that there are all these nonprofits out there that try to do really nice things for people when the holidays hit. So that way their kids don't feel the impact of living in poverty. And I remember we used to go... Well, my mom used to go and, and we'd get these, basically every year it was the same gift, just a different version. It was a board game, some gloves, a hat, and the board game varied from year to year. Some years it was a Monopoly, some years it was like Connect Four, simple basic things like that. Sometimes we'd get evicted and have to move and I'd have no idea why. And I didn't know that we were evicted until many years later. My mom... My mom always did a really good job of hiding how bad our finances were. The giveaway is is her stress levels. Like money brings so much stress into people's lives. Lack of money brings so much stress into people's lives. Most marriages fail because people fight over money. Most relationships fall apart because people fight over money. That's how big a part it plays in your life. It wasn't until I myself had my first kid at 18 and I started to experience some of the same problems. I couldn't find a high enough paying job, a place to live. I was a single parent. There was just never enough money. I spent two years working as a contractor without health insurance, without vacation time, without a 401k, without any other benefits. The money that I was making as a contractor was more than I had ever made before, but it still felt like it wasn't enough. By the end of the year, I was always behind on my bills. I was constantly worried about my utilities getting cut off. My rent was always late. Debt collectors were constantly blowing up my phone. 
I'd hold my breath until my income taxes would come in and then I could catch up and sort of keep it together for another few months while the cycle started all over again and repeated. I was in a legitimate financial pit of despair. And honestly speaking, this is the place where so many of us started where I grew up. All of my friends grew up the same way that I did. We never had enough money. Our parents were just kind of struggling to, to make it work and keep it together. And we felt very early on the burden of having to go out there and help our families provide. I got my first job when I was 14 at Family Dollar. That's the age my daughter is now. My son is about to be 14 years old. And I, I look at them and I can't envision them feeling the pressure and the stress that I was feeling at that age of having to go out there to get a job so that I can attempt to provide in any way, shape or form, whatever relief I could to my family because the burden of my existence was so heavy on them. We tell ourselves we're not gonna make the same mistakes that our parents made. And then we end up making those same mistakes, which is wild. And money is a really personal thing. People don't like to talk about their money. And I think this is part of the problem. People don't like to talk about it. It's considered taboo. But if you don't talk about things, how do you learn? If you don't talk about things, how do you change? How do you grow? If you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing the way that you've been doing things your entire life, how can you be frustrated that nothing is changing? So I think we have to talk about money. And we have to talk about money in an honest way, in a truthful way. And we have to take the pride out of it. And that is hard as hell. I come from a very proud family. I am a very proud man. And my wife will attest to this if you guys don't believe me. I'm a very, very proud man. I don't like asking for help. I don't like admitting when I failed. I don't like feeling like I can't handle things and like I can't provide for my family. Anytime it even looks that way remotely, I freak out and I immediately go into super hustle mode. So I understand. I really do the desire to not talk about it out loud. But if you don't, no one can help you. Now, it's not like my mom sat at the table and told us what was going on with our finances, like I mentioned. Kids just pick up on a lot more than adults credit them for. That's just a fact. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I sat down and started analyzing my spending patterns when I wanted to make a major financial purchase. I wanted to buy a car. I needed to buy a car. Let me say, let me fix that. I needed to buy a car. Up until that point, I'd only ever bought clunkers, so, you know, $600 for a Honda Accord, but then I'd spend the next two years putting $300 per paycheck into that Accord to fix things. It just didn't make sense, so I needed to take that leap and get a, a newer car. I won't say a new car, because I'll never buy a new car, but a used car, which would be new to me. I wanted to buy a house. I hated living in apartments, because when you're not able to afford the very fancy, glitzy apartments, and you can only afford to pay six or $700 a month, the apartments you're getting are shit. They are not well-maintained. The appliances are old and outdated if they're even fully working, which most of the time they weren't. Things like insulation are no longer in your control. I, I lived in an apartment where the landlord bought the house, and then completely rebuilt it. When they ran their pipes, they ran their hot water pipes on the opposite side of the cold water pipes. Now, that sounds like it's not a big deal, but here's what I learned happens. In the wintertime when it gets cold, 
if the hot water pipes are near the cold water pipes, the heat from the hot water helps to prevent the cold water pipe from freezing. When you separate the two and you don't take the proper precautions around that cold water pipe, what happens is your water freezes. And so for four years, we would have to wait until our landlord would bring a space heater to the basement and put it under the cold water pipes and wait for that cold water to unfreeze before we had running water in the winter. And forget about hot water. We didn't have any hot water in the winter. Four years we had to live like that. My wife grew up much the same way that I did. So the financial literacy, understanding, and implementation on our part, we really started from the same place. We did realize at some point, though, that if we didn't clean up our act, we were going to end up in the same place that we came from with our kids, and that cycle would just continue. Now, can you see, listening to my story, my mother, my grandmother, myself, the pattern that had started to emerge there? Three generations, all making the same mistakes. Generational patterns like that passed down from one to the next can push the finish line or the success line further away or even make that mountain that you have to climb to succeed escaping poverty even steeper. Here's a question I'm going to pose to you guys. This is sort of like your homework for next week. If you had $100 sent to you right now with no strings attached, just 100 bucks, it can be a grant, it can be a gift, an income tax refund, it doesn't matter. What are you going to do with it? And then what if that number instead of $100 was $1,000? And then what if instead of $1,000, it was $10,000? What would you do? A couple of ways for you guys to share your answers. First, you can check out uh, my Instagram page, Topher Talks 2020 and complete the survey on there. You can catch me on Twitter at Topher underscore W underscore Grace and complete the survey there, or there's a Facebook survey that's available as well. Alternatively, if you don't want to do any of the social media stuff, you can email your responses to me at tophertalks2020 at gmail.com. And don't worry, guys. I promise no one is getting called out. No one's name is getting thrown out there. Definitely no judgment on my part based on your responses. I know where I was a decade ago and the decisions that I was making a decade ago and the journey that I had to go through to get out of that mindset and move away from what I had grown up knowing my entire life. So I'm never going to pass judgment on you for the choices that you're making today. My goal is to provide some type of advice that, you, that is realistic and can help. And hopefully we can work on turning your ship around and moving you in a better direction. And remember, life is not a race. It's not about who can get where they're going the fastest. It's about just getting there. And for some of us, we are able to, to start a 100-meter race at the 50-meter line. Some of us are starting at the 1. Some of us don't have shoes to run. Some of us have the best shoes in the world to run. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that every day you get up and you keep trying. And little changes over time, they add up. I promise you.
they add up. So take this time over the next few days, really think about what you would do with that money in our hypothetical situation, send me your results, and then looking forward to next week when we sit down and we can have a conversation about it. Thanks for joining me today. This is Topher, and you've been listening to Topher Talks.